episode my good friends randy larson and bernie romanowski are down uh playing a show this evening with tombs randy's band slow death is playing and bernie is uh filling in on bass bernie and randy were formerly in uh, one of my favorite bands cable so uh we've been friends for a couple of decades at this point anyway randy and i both share a intense fondness for bruce springsteen and this episode is uh, going to be dedicated to us expressing our affection for the boss. We compiled a playlist, um, which I put on Spotify, and I'll be sharing that on the Everything Went Black Facebook page as well as on the website. So for those of you out there um, who are fans of Bruce Springsteen, you might know some of these songs. For those of you who are not fans of Bruce Springsteen, please open your minds Listen to the podcast, check out the playlist, and you might find some stuff there that you like. You know, I've been a big fan for most of my life. I guess maybe growing up in the tri-state area, um, it's a very regional thing to be a fan of the boss. But nonetheless, I find a very special place in my heart for Bruce Springsteen. Before we get going, I'd like to thank Rachel Kaiserman and Kevin Stewart-Panko for joining Patreon. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I've sent out download links for all of the current chapters of Lifetime of Gray Skies, the Anodyne European Tour Journal. Uh, Pretty much wrapping the whole thing up. There's maybe one more chapter to go out to the Patreon subscribers. And then at some point in October, um, I'm going to release it via Bandcamp. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's basically an audiobook version of my tour journal from uh, way back when, 2004 the one and only Anodyne European tour. It's been a real trip kind of listening back to all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I think people can get something out of it. I got a lot out of it reading, reading it back and reflecting on the sort of progression of the last uh, several, you know, several years. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for you to support the podcast. Um, you can donate as little as $1 and it, um, it really makes a big difference. And there's a structured rewards list, a sort of reward system, but I think that I'm pretty much going to make everything available for everybody, and it's up to you how much money you want to contribute. Um, you could do a one-time contribution or a monthly recurring thing. Totally up to you. Um, it has, in no way am I ever going to stop doing this. It's too much fun doing these episodes, but um, you know, to help progress things, move things forward, buy new equipment. Uh, pay for the subscriptions for the, uh, you know, hosting services and things like that. Um, That's why I'm asking for some listener contributions. If you don't want to do that, another way you can help support is just by uh, telling your friends, trying to grow the family of uh, Everything Went Black listeners. You can also leave a review on iTunes, star ratings, all that sort of stuff kind of helps build everything. This episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Um, October 1st, I'm going to be re- releasing a seasonal blend called Witch's Brew. 
and it's going to be available only for the Halloween season every year. Keep your eyes peeled for that. It's uh, October 1st will be released. Keep your eyes out for it. You can go to savagegoldcoffee.com and check out for the availability. I'll also be mentioning it as we get closer. If you're a fan of fitness and well-being from the Everything Went Black Media website, you can go down to the portals for the Onnit systems. If you're into um, good, good eating, good food, good supplements, you can go through the portal. There's a wide variety of great things there, such as MCT oil, uh, recovery proteins, all that kind of jazz. If you're into working out, there's uh, another portal which will take you to really cool exercise equipment, steel maces, kettlebells, uh, weighted vest, battle ropes, all that kind of stuff, stuff that I use. And supplements I take, so um, so yeah, I uh, back all this stuff 100%. If you want to hit me up an uh, email, it's mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. I'm on Facebook, and there's also an Everything Went Black Facebook page, which you can like. Uh, trying to get 1,000 likes in the next couple months, so if you haven't liked it yet, please do so. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ on Instagram. Mike underscore Hill underscore primate. And um, yeah, that's about it. So here we go. So I haven't seen, uh, well, Randy, I don't really see you regularly. And Bernie, no. I haven't seen you in years, actually. Yeah, probably 15 years. Yeah. No. So what, what are you doing here, man? Like <laughs> <laughs> We're all here for a reason, actually, besides doing this Bruce Springsteen-focused uh, podcast. So this yeah. evening, there's a, there's a show that yes. we're all playing together at St. Vitus. Yes. And Randy, is uh, you're filling in, right? I am. I'm playing bass in the Mighty Slow Death for this show. Cool. After playing guitar for 25 years and never really ever playing bass. So I learned bass two months ago, and now my skills are going on stage in five hours. <laughs> well, there's not much difference between playing guitar and bass, really, right? Except for maybe hand strength, you know, and like yeah, kind of you being just able to did pull it. it off. I just did it. The whole album, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you two things I learned. <clears throat> Randy came up to my house to show me the shit songs three months ago and it was when he was leaving he says here's my strap play standing up I never play standing up hunch over like yeah. a little old man in my basement played every single night standing up never played bass sitting down best advice ever huh. got to practice and like everything's just the right distance away you ever write a song like at your house you're sitting down at night and you bend over your guitar and you're shredding you're like yeah. this is amazing this is the best riff ever and you get to practice to show it to your friends and you can't play it because now it's a foot away. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Well, actually, I, I, over a, in the last like several years, I, start, I, I sort of started a different approach to guitar playing. I don't wear my guitar low anymore. Huh. I kind of wear it more like high so I can actually play the things that I play when I'm sitting down. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the compromise. Yeah. But I learned these songs standing up, so I can rip standing up, no problem. You know, I've never played bass standing up, I think. No, you're recording sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do too. Well, sometimes. The last time I did. Yeah. I should try that. It's easier to play sitting down. Yeah, more accurate. So um, you and I, Randy, are are old school fans of uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yes. And um, did you grow up listening to Springsteen? Uh, I mean, my introduction to Springsteen was probably just like classic rock radio. When I was, or, or more so, maybe even MTV. Okay, so like the, before uh, I came aware, the Born in the USA era is like yeah. what you cut your teeth on. Yes, Courtney Cox on stage. Yes, 
Dancing, yeah. Dancing, yeah, that was uh, Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark video. I mean, that's how I got introduced to his music. Okay. You know? Um, and then I didn't really pay it much mind because I got into punk and hardcore metal and shit shortly after that. Uh, so it kind of was off my radar for a long time until probably ex- 95, 96, we would have, Cable would have these like campouts in my backyard at the time. It was like a tradition we started. We would just all get together on like a Friday or Saturday night, the whole band and other friends. And we would just, a lot of times we had a show the next day or something. So we'd have like a, you know, blowout, whatever. And we, so we stopped listening to like, like hardcore, like heavy music. And we would just put on like the local classic rock radio oh, cool. station. Yeah. And that really kind of piqued my interest again in all kinds of classic rock and away from underground music. Um, so that's when I really kind of rediscovered Bruce Springsteen, The Stones, Thin Lizzy, stuff like, stuff like that. You know what I mean? You want to hear a weird story about that? So I live up in Massachusetts now. Yeah. You know, grew up in Connecticut. And we're coming down. Last night we're driving late at night, like 11 at night. And we get into Connecticut and uh, I'm like, let me flip on the station. And just made my way through all those stations. Like 99.1, 105.9. Well, The Rock. 102.9. Yeah. Yeah, they mostly still exist. Yeah. 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 And that was the thing, too, man. Like, all the other friends I had, nobody was listening to, like, Skinner or Led Zeppelin or, like, my dad listened to it growing up. But that was was definitely a thing, like, in the backyard, boombox going. Yeah. Like, it was weird. We never put on, like, a Slayer record or a... No. Maybe at first. Use a Today tape or something (laughs) like that. Maybe at first, but then it just kind of morphed into, like, we were going to hang out. And every time we hung out there, we would just listen to classic rock radio all night. Yeah. So you guys are a few years younger than me. So was classic rock ever part of like your early, mainly you, Bernie? Because I know you, I know that you're not a Bruce Springsteen fan per se. <laughs> I am not. So did you ever listen to like '70s rock ever? Yeah, yeah. Like prior to being into punk and, and hardcore. Oh, and stuff? totally. Yeah, okay. yeah. So my dad was uh, you know, always into that music and had like old reel to reels and uh, he had uh, and when he died, I still have this in my house. He had when the Harvest Moon like debuted, they played it on. 106.9. It's like this classic rock station in Hartford. And he didn't have access to buy the record rep. So we recorded on these reel-to-reels. Oh, and it's wow. got this amazing intro cool. by like the DJ saying, okay, you know, we got this new record. We're going to let the whole thing rip. It's got this cool recording. Um, but yeah, he and he had milk crates full of old records. Like, yeah, I have them all back. now. Yeah, and when he died, I wow. gave them all to Randy. Yeah, That's his, cool. his no, dad was a uh, uh, super cool, hardcore dude, man. Plumber, blue collar. Nice. Good dude. He would. We used to practice at his parents' house. He'd come downstairs and, and hang out with us. And Yeah, I got all his old dad's old classic rock records when he passed away. Bernie gave him to me. That's great, was, man. It meant a lot to me because his dad was really cool. I was close with his dad. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure even though you probably weren't a fan of it, you were you were listening to that either way when you were young. Yeah, man. All yeah, that's time. all we heard. And like, you know, he was sort of interested, like, all right, you know, we listened to this. I'd work with him in the summers, you know, and he'd have the classic rock going. So obviously, yeah, I heard Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, Pink Floyd. And that was kind of my universe, so it's what I listened to. You know, then I met these guys and obviously started listening to and playing other music, you know, right. punk and hardcore and stuff. But uh, but it was really like years after playing in cable. It was, I did feel like we were the only group of guys that we knew that would be willing to put on like a classic rock station. There was this sort of, um, uh, <laughs> it's not like a vulnerability, but we were like, hey, we don't have to do that. You know, we can, right. like, we actually like this music. We, we didn't like give a scared. fuck. We like, <laughs> yeah, well, also, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a point though where, you know, 
you when you got I felt like well this is mainly my experience I guess so like, I grew up listening you know Z- Z- uh, Sabbath Zeppelin you know Judas Priest like Deep Purple um, and then like once once I discovered or I was introduced to like punk and hardcore it's like you couldn't listen to that shit anymore you right, had to right. just be into like Black Flag and like suicidal sure. and circle jerks but um that music is like very re- like returnable though like once you when you come full circle back to that music again it's like you can really you can sort of look through it with a different lens after having been into like punk and hardcore and then for me especially listening reading interviews with like Rollins and gr- about Greg Ginn and how Greg Ginn was like such a huge fan of uh like Black Sabbath and the Grateful Dead and stuff like that right. it kind of validated my like interest in classic rock again but I'm trying to think about where where Springsteen actually fit into any of that stuff because when I was like a really young kid, when I was listening to Priest and you know Zeppelin and ACDC and stuff, I didn't like Bruce Springsteen. Right. So I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I actually where where it hit me that I was a fan. I, I can't I can't make that connection yeah. either, honestly. Yeah. Like why why I was drawn to it, especially so late. I don't even know. I'm trying to think, like, what's the first song I heard post, like, the MTV songs where I was like, whoa, this is, this is really good, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I can't I, I can't remember. But. I, I think it's for, like, when I first started getting interested in, in girls. I think that's, like, when, like, the sort of angst that you feel, because, you know, I wasn't a very good-looking kid. I'm still not a good, I'm not a good-looking adult male. <laughs> I find yet. that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, I was, like, a funny-looking kid, and I'm still funny-looking, but, like, there's, uh, you know, you have a hard time connecting with the members of the opposite sex. And so much of Bruce's uh, work is about, like, loneliness and fucking longing and all that sort True. of stuff. So True. it's, like, I think probably, like, around kind of, like, despite the fact that I was into punk and hardcore, like, secretly I think I was – because, you know, I, I grew up on the border of Connecticut New York in Carmel. Right. So I was getting I-95 – you know, and um, you get a lot of the references. You yeah, know, a lot you, of the same weren't... radio stations. You know, right. and, and that stuff was also so it was like WXCI, like was like the the punk stuff. You know, I listened to that radio station, the college station, but like driving, you know, around or being when I got my you know my parents' car, driving their car around, it would just had AM FM radio, right? And XCI's signal was like always a little dodgy where <laughs> I was at. And then I would put on I-95, which had a stronger corporate signal. Right. And that's when the Springsteen stuff, like like Born to Run and like, um, you know, Thunder Road and like all that stuff kind of reached into like my consciousness. Because, you know, at that point, you know, get, you know you're kind of done with like the small town world of like growing up, going to high school. You know, you, you got some girls you might like that don't like you, you know, and like you're kind of alienated and... The lyrical content, I think, of Bruce's songs, I think, reached out in a way that I wasn't really getting satisfied from listening to punk, you know? Sure. It's like yeah. Black Flag, sure. Black Flag was like, I want to go out and, like, fucking murder everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? But right. there was, like, the other the other aspect of that loneliness, that sort of lonely emotional state that wasn't being addressed by punk music. Right, you weren't getting it from that kind of yeah. music. So secretly, sure, I would sure. I would ha- I would buy like Springsteen records and kind of like so all right, so not you tell were, my friends I was into it. You so know you didn't I mean? kind of like hear him and then like get into punk and stuff and return and kind of you were kind of into it the whole time. No, well I was kind of not into it when I was into like the hard rock stuff. Okay, because like when I was into like Zeppelin and you know well, I, mean, I still love all those bands. I mean, when I first got into like heavy rock, 
Springsteen wasn't heavy enough. Right. I, I associated him more with like Billy Joel or something, you know. Right. And uh, it's a common mistake. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> but then when when I started, I think I was like thirteen or twelve when like this kid came back from California. This guy Mike Katz came back from California, and he had the Let Them Eat Jelly Beans compilation. Yeah, and that's what was like. Everyone recorded that cassette from him, and that was like my introduction into like punk, and then. I think, like, punk and new wave, you know, like, that style of shit was, like, what I was into. And then I think I started listening more, you know, like, I couldn't get that radio station. I only had cassette copies of records. I didn't actually own any punk right. records because, you know, I didn't have a car. I was a kid. So Trash was, like, not that far away, but I had very limited access to it right. because I had to catch rides with people to go there. Right, right. So, and we're talking trash American style. Of, of, we're yeah. all friends yes. with Malcolm. Great. So. Same thing, too. We'd roll, Great. like, six deep in a car. Somebody crouched down in the back. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Nobody had a car, but if someone was yeah. making a trip, we'd all go. Yeah, you weren't going on Spotify. Yeah, so there was no out. access to physical <laughs> copies. I couldn't order a record on Amazon or download it on iTunes. So right. it's like the radio, actually, when I was a kid, I listened to the radio quite a bit. Yeah. You know, so there was, there was XCI. They had, like, the metal show. They had the punk show. And then there was like I ninety five album oriented rock radio, right? You know, so I guess for me it's like when I was in the heavy rock, you know, I first got into that Springsteen was too light, punk. I started getting all emotional, you know. I'm like going through like puberty or whatever, and like you know, women are getting titties and everything, and you're like interested in like hanging out with girls, and no one wants to hang out with you. So then there's like Black Flag. I want to destroy the world, and you know, fucking carve an X into my forehead and shit. And then, but then you're, you're not satisfied with the full range of emotions. So that's where Springsteen fit in my forming mind okay. when I was a young kid. So uh, for me, that's how I got it. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Different, a little different than me. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that's cool. And I still um, didn't have any, I still don't think I bought a Springsteen album until I was like over 18 years old when I was able to afford my own records and actually had access to go to record stores you know what i mean right and randy you uh bernie you were never really a fan though like you, you no. kind of like before we started <laughs> this up you're, you're like we're a hater i guess right yeah i'm not a, i'm not a convert <laughs> i can tell you that yeah. we're trying i mean, I'm trying. I mean who doesn't know about you know bruce springsteen and you know rolling stones i mean they're they're unavoidable everybody's yeah. heard them so randy we were at practice last week and we made an agreement that on the way home, then the next day I would listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town. Okay. And That's a good good place to that, start. That, that was my choice because yeah. it wasn't Nebraska yeah. and it wasn't as complex as like the river. Yeah, the river is pretty, there's like a lot of shit going on. Yeah. 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 And I said, look, you got to get me started somewhere. And I will say my most trusted music recommender is Randy right here. This cool. guy's literally never let me down. By the way, God Bullies is amazing. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he recommended no, that. No, you're going to thank him, not me, because he turned me on to God Bullies last time we did this. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was on the playlist. <laughs> yes. Amazing. So he gets the credit. I have their, but, whole, I have their entire catalog, man. I could send it. I, oh, I think I have it all digitally, too, actually. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Yeah, he deserves the credit, but. Okay. So perfect thanks. example. Totally random. Nothing I would ever bump into. Right up my alley. This guy knows me like no one else. Uh and, and so I, I listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town. I know every song on there. I'm like, hey, I know this song. I know that song. Uh, that Abel and Kane song, though, not so good. 
But <laughs> I'll, I'll back that. Yeah, it's not, not one of the best not ones. one of the best cuts. So I can tell you two things. The record sounds amazing. It's a fantastic recording. The bass playing particularly is really good. Saxophone. So I think of Bruce Springsteen. I think of I got Max Weinberg back there wearing a suit. I got what's his name? Clarence on the Clarence sax. Clemens. Clarence Clemens. I got him. He's probably wearing a suit too. Bruce, yeah. Bruce has got his you know jacket and white T-shirt on. Bunch of backup singers. So Darkness on the Edge of Town seem to have good amount of that but this this is the problem rolling stones and bruce springsteen have the same problem for me but it, you know so i'm 40 so yeah. they've been you know maybe 20 i became aware of this stuff you know teenager you don't really think about it i didn't by the time i know them they're huge they're selling out stadiums they're in billy joel territory they have all the backup singers they're gazillionaires and i got people all around me telling me dude put that all out of your mind the early stuff is great <laughs> But you were kind of and, born. You were kind of born into it at a at a time when the the, the Stones and Bruce yeah. <laughs> were releasing, in my opinion, not their best stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So the stuff on the radio, the stuff maybe your dad had cranking on the radio, FM radio mm-hmm. in the truck or whatever was was like you know uh, not the what we consider the good stuff. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you're a Stones fan or not. I have. There are certain periods yeah. of their career that right. are like nothing after enough, after like seventy. You know, eight is probably not. Yeah, much. like the Brian That's, Jones era. You know, I thought it was cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I like start. I like the song "Start Me Up" though. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's not terrible. I have good memories of that record actually. Yeah. Waiting on a friend's not terrible either. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think the problem. That was like the most random one to like to pull out too. Man. That's on the same album, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not so random. I guess. Tattoo you. Yeah, tattoo you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, one of the records I think my. I had for my dad's that you have. It's the Rolling Stones with the zipper. On oh, the sticky fingers, cover. man. That's one of the best. With the metal zipper that, on it? That's a, yes. That's some package. That's actually my yeah. favorite Stones record. Yeah. No kidding. That's a great one. Yeah. Exile. That's the other one. That's Those are like one, one and one A. Yeah. yeah. And Beggar's Banquet Solid is too. sick. That's got... Uh, There's like a string there, man, of like... Alley Cat Blues, Straight Cat Blues, that yeah. song. Yeah. There's like a string of like six records or so there yeah. that are all pretty great. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I listen to that, so now it's like fresh eyes, fresh ears, like, and now I have a reason, right? Like, you've been it, recommended. It's been recommended. Yeah. God bullies a couple weeks ago. Now it's Bruce. It's <laughs> kind of an odd that's transition. A, that's it, a big yeah. bandwidth of stuff there, <laughs> it man. Is. That's the whole history. Of it's a lot thing. to digest. Yeah. But, uh, but look, I seriously, I do trust you, Randy. Like your recommendations mm. are solid. All well, cool. Unimpeachable, perfect record of recommendations. So it, it's good. It was a good record. Obviously, it's like soulful. This, this is how I think of Bruce, though. So my wife did a, um, a year of training for her profession down in Long Island, Great Neck, Long Island. So like legit, like not way out on Long Island, but very much not New York City. Yeah. We get down there all of a sudden, and I'm not joking about this, I had a huge curiosity about Billy Joel and Howard Stern. I'm like, this is kind of where they lived, it's where they grew up. And there's a real sense of like place with Billy Joel's music, like... Yeah. You know, and he's kind of, in my mind, suffers from that same thing. Like, there's now Shea Stadium Billy Joel, but there used to be, like, smaller scale Billy Joel. I know, you're shaking your head. Yeah, man, I can't, I can't get behind that. But, but I'll, I'll give Bruce some of that credit, that he has a, there's a real sense of place. Like, and I know the New Jersey thing is kind of like a cliche or whatever now. Yeah. But when I listened to Darkness, like, I kind of got it. Like, I understood sort of, it had a feel to it. Felt like you were there, right? Kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's, and it's different, right? So it's not like a Midwest kind of feel to it. It's not like, 
a Neil Young vibe or something. So it's distinct. I am able to say, like, okay, let me pretend it's 1974. Like, and, and who was doing this kind of stuff back then? It is interesting. I will eventually listen to Nebraska. I only listened to two songs off that so far. I'll pursue it. That's what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> if that's fair enough. I will fair keep enough. going on fair the Bruce Springsteen yeah, jersey. Uh, journey. Definitely, um, it's relatable because if you, if you grew up in, like, the tri-state area, you know, if you're, like, exactly. in Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, maybe Pennsylvania, like, you can relate to the character of Bruce Springsteen, the way he portrays himself, like, in his videos, and also the lyrics, you know, and the story, and, like, you know, he's, like, that that guy right. from, like, humble beginning, you know, kind of like a regular dude, whatever, construct, even though the guy probably never worked on a construction site ever. I don't I, maybe not yeah, but but I, he appreciates that yeah. vibe though you know what I mean I get the I, but I will say this he probably worked at as hard at his craft as a construction no, I'm worker. not I'm not taking you I'm know, not in any way taking anything away from him No I'm what, not attacking what I'm, him what I'm saying <laughs> is that say is that he I think Bruce was like what like 24 maybe or 23 20, 24 when he started really approaching his craft as a profession as opposed to doing it like a weekend guy like playing down on the Jersey Shore. Right. So maybe he worked a couple construction sites. You know, maybe he like, his uncle was like a, you know, carpenter or something like that. But, um, but what I do, like he, at least he appreciated, like he grew up amongst people that were like blue collar and right, had like right. a middle class kind of vibe to him, you know. So he absorbed that and he was able to sort of encapsulate that and, and, present that in his art in a very regional way that is specific to the tri-state area that legions of uh you know kids from jersey new york connecticut you know pennsylvania were able to relate to right and right. and i if someone from california is like i don't get bruce springsteen i'm like yeah i get it i know why because sure. you live out in california you know it's not a, it's not really beach music or yeah, well, i don't, th- I, don't th- I mean i'm sure he does well everywhere but like yeah i'm sure it's not as well. You could probably play in Germany and sell a fucking stadium out. You know, what right? I mean? But yeah, right. He plays like you know, plays uh, in the Meadowlands. He sells like it out for two weeks, fourteen shows or something. You could probably like sell it out for a month. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? It's a different. It's a different vibe. Well, like you were saying about like why you started to relate to his music. I think for me, it was probably where I grew up and like my surroundings of like you know, because you just referenced like him growing up around like blue collar type yeah, thing. I mean, totally. I grew up. That was my life. Yeah. Like, what town did you go up in again? East Killingly, Connecticut. So I don't even know where the hell that is. That, is it near 84? No. It's in the northeast corner, like a mile or two from the Rhode Island line. Okay. So, yeah. No so one you, knows you where were, it is. Yeah. Because, like, you, yeah. All right. So you were on the other side of the state from where yeah. I was. Okay. Yeah. No one knows where it is. You're <laughs> super regional now. If anyone out <laughs> yeah. there is listening, who doesn't fucking live in Connecticut or New York? Well, it took you how long to get the trash American style? Uh, the first time I went to trash, I was like 17. Well, how long did it take you to get there? Oh, 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 dude. It took me like 20 minutes to get there. It was probably. two hours for me to get there. Wow. So, yeah, I was about as, almost as far away from that. Oh, wow. Be. So, that the was Anthrax, like a, the club, the yeah. Anthrax. That was uh, two Norwalk. hours. That was Norwalk, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. So, that was two hours, too. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in like uh, not really farm town, more like kind of like factory, white trash kind of town. Yeah, because Rhode Island was like a little bit of industry up there. There is, especially that part of Rhode yeah. Island that's 
butts up against Connecticut. Yeah, where yeah. I, grew. I mean, you've been out there a lot to where yeah, I used to. I mean, there's nothing out there, man. Like, and it's, it's and it's weird, man. Like the border between Massachusetts and Connecticut, you, you, I kind of feel it when I travel over. The, certainly, the border between Connecticut and New York, you feel it. It's almost like borderless up there. Yeah, that part yeah. of the island is... I mean, we did so many drives from your place... To Providence. Out to Providence. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know when right. you're in, when you're huh. leaving, it's all... Uh, it's I mean, a, and I grew up in the middle, like the center of Connecticut, right. a very different kind of town. Yeah, yeah but, it's totally uh, different. But dude, it's, it, it's weird out there. It's, no, no offense, but it's... No, it's just, no, weird, not taken, just the yeah. vibe it's, is strange. Right, and, uh, it's... Uh, Route 6 goes right through there, so there's trailer trucks barreling right by oh, yeah, people's okay. houses. And my, my dad was a trucker. Okay. Uh... And my mom worked at a factory for years. So, I, dude, I credit punk rock and hardcore. If it wasn't for that music, I'm afraid to think what I would be right now. Because, to me, that shit saved my life. It's a cliche. Yeah. But when I mean saved my life, I don't mean I probably would have killed myself. I, I mean, mean, there's truth to it, though. You know? I'd probably be doing who knows what out there, you know, listening to, like, some shitty, like, Kid Rock or something. Yeah, Kid Rock. Who, kn- <laughs> who knows, man? Like, that's... It's kind of shit that goes on. Out yeah, no, you're right, dude. You know, when I got into that music, I started leaving and going to Providence, going yeah, to Boston, yeah. going to New York, yeah. going to shows, playing music. Like, every chance I could get the fuck out of there, I would get the fuck out of there. But that's a strange part about it is that's how I think I relate to a lot of Bruce's music. Sure. He talks about, you know, the factories and the working man and the, and the small town kind of relationships, which I inevitably had a couple of those mm-hmm. along the way. You know, I yeah. could relate to it that way. Right. Um, so I was finding stuff I couldn't find in Black Flag or Suicidal either. Yeah, totally. From that. But in the same sense, though, he also uh, portrayed, like, the kind of outsider, too, because, yes. like, you know, it wasn't so much like he was, like, the, you know, he identified the kind of, like, working class, uh, you know, plight that they were in of, like, entering this machine of just, you know, hourly work and, like, never really having enough to, to be satisfied you know, and always wanting to get out, wanting to leave town, right? It, and right. wanting to get away from that right. lifestyle. Hence, songs like "Born to Run," right. and and many others actually. Many others. Yeah, uh, the factory, the factory, yeah, which, which is, is on our playlist here. Right. And, yeah. Uh, uh, it it wasn't like glorifying that life. Yeah. It's saying that life is awesome in the way like Kid Rock might be doing like a that. fucking shit brain like that guy. Yeah. Right. Pandering to people who are struggling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know. You know, like our fucking. You know, I don't want to talk politics, but uh, yeah, like uh, it's funny, like his his music is adopted by a lot of those people, Bruce's, but like a lot of his songs and his lyrics, if you listen to them, are about like getting the fuck away from that. Yeah, and you know, totally, it's it's kind of ironic. I mean, obviously, there's the big thing about the song "Born in the USA," right? But that's also it's kind, kind of, of an like, anti. It's an anti- Anti-war, maybe. I, I would know. say that it's like a criticism it. of war, right? As a and not so much like flag waving, right? And like you know, it's about it, the darker, the darker, the darker aspects, of right? It. Yeah. And, but most fucking people hear that song, and you know, they get their fucking, they start light. shooting off their guns, and yeah, yeah, cracking cans of Bud Tall Boys, yeah, you know, yeah. dumping them on each other. Ow. So what is yeah. that? Is that just people hear a song title, don't look any deeper? I would say that it's, yes, that's probably it because like most people don't want to dig deep below the surface and see things. But if you read through the lyrics of that song, 
Yeah. Which, I, which I've done. I yeah. took it like years ago. I'm yeah. like, somebody had tipped me off. Like, this isn't a yeah, rah, rah. No, the right. verses Erica. are very, very descriptive about yeah. like having like sort of a negative view of like people coming back from like deployment. And, sure. Right. You know, the American dream crumbling. Almost and, like a born in the 4th of July. Exactly. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Kind of context put into a song. Like, and that, I mean, all that, all that material, all, all those, all that stuff kind of came out around the same time too, didn't it? Like they kind of like, like, yeah, yeah, actually, it did. like because I think in what nineteen I can't they came out in like the like eighty six, eighty seven, I think, born yeah. in the USA or maybe eighty five. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think eighty six, but I'm not positive. And I think that's around the same time, born on the Fourth of July, probably. Came yeah, out too, right? I feel like there was like a um, kind of like this self reflection that went on with uh, in the United States in the mid eighties. Because I mean, if you think about the mid eighties, it was like Reagan and like punk rock was like you know American hardcore, or whatever right. it was like really flourishing and there was like you know bands being political music being political and then there was like you know you know bob geldoff and all these fucking guys you know what i'm saying <laughs> but that was the environment that that right. record came out in so it kind of fit into this self-reflection of the united states in a lot of ways yes you know I'm trying yeah, to say? yeah yeah sure Let me yeah, just... and i remember yeah people tipping me off like uh Man, it's the Republican convention and they're playing Bruce Springsteen. That's like, uh, it's like blasphemy. You know, what are they doing to Bruce? Or they don't get it. You're talking about this past election? No, no, no. I'm going back like 80s and 90s. Oh, you, know, you always see yeah. these like, you know, conservative people like, at, right. I like distinctly political things playing this song as like pride, like, yeah, go America. And then people saying to me, yeah, that's not really what that song's about. So, born on the 4th of July, let's see. I gotta put my glasses on here because I can't see when I read. Came out in 1989. Fourth of July or born in the USA? Um, born in the born on the 4th of July came oh, out okay. in 1989. Gotcha. Let me just see when born in the USA came out. I'm gonna say I say 86. It came out in 86. I, I, I'm guessing. That's my guess. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it was within a few years of each other. So it was yeah, like there mid, was there was that late live, 80s. live aid. Yeah, there was like a big thing going on in this in the country here. What the fuck? Let's see. Wikipedia. It's the seventh studio album of American rock singer. Came out in 1984. Holy shit. Wow. I didn't realize it came out that long ago. I didn't either. But, um, all right, so. But that album was popular for, like, yeah. It's probably in the charts for who knows how long. It probably was in the charts for the, well, actually, he he did that Tunnel of Love record, which came out in 87, which was, like, the, I stopped kind of painting. Same here, man. I backed the first seven, I think, yeah. are you know almost perfect records, with the exception of a song or two. But after that, kind of lost a lot of steam for me. But like the 80s, let's talk about the 80s for a second. Like that frame of time was like definitely a period where people were getting ref in introspective about what it really is to be an American. Right. After, right. you know, post-Vietnam and right. disillusionment with the government and, you know, and being critical. You know, right. like in the eighties, there was a lot of those like similar to born on the 4th of July, like these kind of like, you know, there wasn't a glorification of combat and war. It was right. like the after darker side of the yes. aftermath of coming back from war. So yeah, it's like born in the USA definitely fit like within that. So before we go too far along, I want to sit just trying a new experiment here. Cause the last time you and I tried to do, um, one of these like playlists, we were like, had it cranking in the background and it was yeah, like, we're everything. like talking over the music and everything. It was kind of like. It's like we were, we were at your neighbor's party. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, my neighbor. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> the, the neighbor comes up again. <laughs> yeah. Somebody might have thrown an egg at them last night. I don't know. That's what I heard. 
I don't know. Maybe it, was it like a lob, like a gentle no. like, arc, or was this like a straight line, like Roger Clemens? Right. Well, I'm going to say that um, allegedly the person who have done that sure. would be someone that would be probably driven to that action from months, maybe a year of constant uh. invasion by incredibly mediocre conversation and horrible music. And that may have motivated some kind of activity like that. So the, um, the sort of uh, ardor intensity that might have been put into that yeah. launching of the egg would have probably had a little bit of some intensity to it. There wouldn't have been anything gentle about it. Let's put it this way. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. And would that person have thrown the egg and then stared directly at the victims <laughs> to let them well, see it, it depends, where the egg came? Depends on your vantage point. Sure. Now, like in certain angles uh, from this side of the building, you don't have a clear eye sight line to them. <laughs> so would it be, you know, if you stared at them from different points, you would, you know, if you were high enough, maybe you had a good sight line. But, for example, at my elevation, if I ever did anything like sure. that, I wouldn't have a sight line. So It's probably Listen. good for them. Probably, yeah. Listen, if you ever meet this person that may or may not exist, <laughs> if he or she needs a potato gun... A potato gun? <laughs> shoot me an email. I might be able to get you. Get him or her some potatoes real quick. Well, I was thinking about um, back in the days when I lived on Mission Hill with those guys, mm-hmm. where we would frequently have uh, Roman candle wars sure. with each other. Yeah, and, you guys were kind of crazy. <laughs> And uh, I remember, like, that the thought had crossed my mind if I were to ever act out on, you know, a whim like that to, like, shoot, like, Roman candles at these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's, get, that, that's but not something. But it's easy to see where those are coming from, too. You're, yeah, they, they would be, like, a tracer you, round. Yes, like, with, like, <laughs> literally, uh, like, one after the other. Yeah. Tracers. So, so that decided that might not be a... <laughs> That might not be a good idea if I were to ever be inclined to do something like that. Yeah. I remember we got chased up a hill going up to Mission Hill. Were you with us? There's a car full of guys speaking French, yelling at yeah. us. You're speaking yeah, French? Screaming out yeah. the window, yeah. Crazy, like, Canadian guys. And they, at one point, they were like, we're Canadian. Yeah, they were. Because we yeah. were like, why are you speaking this French at us? <laughs> well, we're like, <laughs> chasing us. Why were they chasing us? I don't know. It was a car-on-car chase. I, I, don't, I don't know. A long time ago. It was just dark days up there. Someone pulled a gun on me in Boston one time. Not a Mission Hill. Oh, not a Mission Hill. It was in Alston, actually. It was like years... Oh, man, it was a while ago. It was like there was, um, there was this house on Alston Street that one of my friends, the guy, old bass player from my band, he wanted to bang one of these ladies that lived in this house. It was like this like house of all these, these chicks lived there, right? And uh, they're cool. You know, it was like, the, you know, we were all young people at the time, and, you know, they were pretty groovy ladies. And I remember one night, like, um, me and him went over there, and he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, man, I think I'm going to stay behind. I'm like, cool, I'm going to walk home. So it was like probably 1130 at night, and I was like walking back to my apartment, and some car just rolled up next to me. The window came down, and a fucking pistol came out, pointed directly at me. And I was like looking directly at this guy, and he was like, oh, it's cool, it's cool. And then the, the window, and they drove away. So maybe, probably, I look like somebody that these guys yeah. had need yeah. to like shoot down or something, man. But like that was like the only time anyone ever pulled a gun on me before. Well, Jeff got walked. We lived on Mission Hill. Yeah, Jeff got walked to the ATM with maybe a gun at his back. You know, yeah, something man. at his back. Mm-hmm. Just assume it's a gun when you don't know, and someone comes up to you and. Well, you know, honestly, it's like if you're if you're you know 
really the smart thing to do is just kind of do what they say and right. not really put yourself at risk, really. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the smart thing. That to was do. a tough area back then. Now it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's very far from it now. So, anyway, with this, this iteration of our, you know, kind of like uh, playlist mixtape podcasts, we put together a, um, a Spotify playlist, which I'm going to post on the website. Cool. And then that's going to be um, how people can listen to the, the music. So, so we're not we're not forcing people to listen to Bruce Springsteen. Nah. So it's like if you if any of this conversation that we're having piques your interest about what the boss might be all about, I, Randy and I have compiled this really cool playlist of material that we've handpicked. Yes, we did to be representative of like you know Springsteen, and we both contributed to this and. Um, it's 19 songs because there's a couple of doubles in there. Yeah, there's a few. I figured there would be. Yeah. So It'd like, be weird if there weren't. I got 19 songs, and I, I just kind of like DJ style, like put them together in like a way that kind of like makes sense. You know what I mean? So you want to you read that off? So you're worried about yeah. sequencing this one leads into this Yeah, one. kind of makes a little sense. bit. You know, just trying so it's like keep a, a tone yeah. kind of going, you know what I mean? It's curation. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. See, you know, it's like part of the, the process. I mean, that's how you open and close it, dude. That's perfect. Right? Yeah. I'm on fire is a good, a good you know, Really? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. You want, is you that want the one that Courtney Cox Why dances would, to, though? What she uh, dance to? I, you know, I, I didn't really like that one, actually. That's like, I liked it, but I, it's not one of my Dancing top Dancing in the ones. Dark? Dancing in the Dark oh, is not gotcha, one of my gotcha. favorites. That's not one. That's not a, that's not. So a, why would you do this? Why don't you read, okay. read, read them off? And Randy, if you have any input on this, like maybe you can make some if input. These, if, so I'll, you want me to read it? You read it off, and for Andy, since he's in a more objective, you're not to, attached to this emotionally. Okay. Give you give us your two cents on this. I'm seeing so. a couple winners in here. But go okay, ahead. cool. Okay, so and, well, I, and, I'll, and I'll follow up yeah. with my two cents too. Well, the first one is uh, Thunder Road, but let me just say it's mm. it's a live version, which is very different than the studio yeah. version. Very different. Which is actually a lot of the live versions of Bruce's work. Yes. It was like very, very they, they go, they went off in different directions. So, yes. yeah. so that probably means nothing to you, but that's why I did choose that one, I believe, because I thought it was a really cool version mm-hmm. of that song, other than the studio version you hear a million times. So, Thunder Road, is, you probably know. Can you oh, make yeah. comments on Thunder Road? No. <laughs> no, only because it's, it's not popping in the Yeah, head. okay. A couple of these, though, okay. for sure. Thunder Road, like, I, it was originally one of my picks, too, but I, I picked the studio version. And then okay. when I saw that you came up with a live version, I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to think of a different spin on it, and I hey. had a couple live versions of it, and I thought it was cool. I like it. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's on the list. That's the opener. Maybe that'll win some people over, man. Possibly, man. Probably not. But So, number two is uh, Jackson Cage, which, uh, off the river? Yeah, the river. Yeah. No, nothing. Never heard of it. I mean, I may have heard it, but it's not jumping out. Probably not. Can I interrupt for a second and ask why the river is so complex? Or difficult. I don't know, man. It's, it's just it's, it's a double just, album. It's a double album, and and it's like, a lot of music. Yeah, a it's lot a of lot of highs and lows. A lot of highs and lows. There's like a lot. Of, I mean, Bruce's work always has a lot of layers to it. Like there's like piano, and, right? Know, oh, yeah. A lot of instrumentation on there. But yeah, it's a double LP. So yeah. there's a lot of material on there. It's not twice as much Bruce. <laughs> double Bruce. For those of you guys who don't understand that, it's Bruce, Bruce. But but Jackson Cage is one of those the songs where it's like like what we were talking about earlier, where he's very descriptive about the kind of experience of the working class guy. Yes. You totally. know, and that's, that's like a more somber sort of song as opposed to like, yes. like Thunder Road has this kind of like cathartic, like triumph, you know, they're get, finally getting out of town right. at the end. And like Jackson Cage is just like someone who's like 
shackled to the grind. It's of a little life. more. It's a little darker. It's darker. Yeah. 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 A little more hopeless. Yeah. There's definitely a feeling of hopelessness in that song. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things. And then I'll go back to the list a sec. That's one of the things about Springsteen that I kind of dig. Where like a Billy Joel, I, I don't I don't find there's a darkness. No. Well, no. Nah. I'm not a fan. No, I'm not a fan either. The best you'll get with Billy Joel is like mild depression. Like I'm stuck playing this piano. I don't. I still. I'm don't, not getting good tips. Yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> still buy him. I just don't. Never really liked his voice and his. I just thought that his lyrics were like, you know, I don't know. I, never, I mean, because a lot of this music is is about the lyrics and the, right. the hooks and all right, that stuff right. and like. It just always seemed like a little corny, and he always uh, struck me as like some Long Island dude who would say he's from New York City. You yeah, know what I mean, there's yeah. a lot of like when I went to college at Boston University, it was like you'd meet people, and they'd be like they would know they would know that I was you know they would be like I'd be like oh yeah where you know where where are you from and they're like oh New York City, right <laughs> and they're like mass from Massapequa Long Island you know it's yeah. not the same thinking right? that I'm from like Ohio or something like that <laughs> you know what I mean and it's just like that's what. Billy Joel strikes me. Out. I made an attempt at Billy Joel. It did not work out well. But I tried. You know what? I tried. I'm going to pay you back. Listen <laughs> to Downeaster Alexa. Full power. Okay. I'm talking about fishing off the That's a Billy Joel? Record. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's a song. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm going to start with a song. song. I'm not going to burden you with a whole record. No, thank the you. The way you do with me. <laughs> Just start there. Okay. It's I'll good, do that. It's a good song, dude. Right. I feel like I have to now. I have All right. You owe me. So uh, number three is a uh, stolen car, which is fucking uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, you, you know, are you familiar with that? Never one? heard of it. That's also off the river. Yeah, but it's in the movie Copland. Oh, that's right. And where Stallone, that my favorite role he's ever played. Very different for him. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yep, he's kind of like this, like like sort of you know, kind of like a herb actually in that yeah. movie. He's like, like not the small very, town sheriff. Yeah, he's not like the star. Deaf, no. right? He's got a ear problem. Well, no, or that's it yeah. happens to him oh, at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but he's just like this, like broken down, not small town so much because it was like the right over the river, right in over Jersey, the river. like right. Hackensack or some shit. It was like a that. So, sort of a small town. I guess he's just a broken down, like fucked up dude. He doesn't get the girl. Nothing marginal, works out. marginal guy. Very much, yeah, very yeah. marginal. Uh, and he, there's a scene where he, uh, this girl like comes over to his house that he's like from his past. Yeah, like, yeah. That he's. Obviously interested in, and like, of course it doesn't work out because nothing fucking works out. Nope. He's kind of like a character in a Springsteen song. Actually. Yes. And yeah. that, yeah. And then he pulls out his his vinyl oh, copy yeah. of the River, which is, doesn't sound very good, you know. And he just puts on Stolen Car, which is probably the most depressing, one of the most depressing songs on the record, if not the most. Oh yeah, man. definitely tonally, like that record is that song is dark and like very uh, somber. Yes. Yeah. So and that's what I think of that scene in that movie more so than I think of it in context of the record. I don't know why. I just thought it was a perfect scene. You know, Copland is, is like a movie that I, I really enjoy, but I, I never think to watch that again. I've man. seen it so many times. Yeah, should, it's should, embarrassing. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch good, it. It's good, man. It is good. It's good. I, yeah. I have no qualms with it. No, it's like it's good. You know. Uh, yeah, so that's Stolen Car. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, because of the Night. That's a good song, dude. No, you know that song. Yeah, Courtney you know Cox that. would dance to that song, <laughs> but it is awesome. That is a good song. That was one of the, I no think doubt. you picked that one out, did you? I think I, so. I think so. Yeah. Well, I picked the live version because I'm not so, I'm not so sure there's a studio version because that's a song that Patti Smith recorded that's right. and became a hit. Yeah. Right. So I don't, if there is a studio version of I don't know where Springsteen it be, doing it, it's probably like some bonus guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Like one of the, actually, you know what would be kind of cool? 
I haven't. He's got a ton of like box set yeah, shit out, which I haven't checked out in. It is like tons of unreleased tracks yeah. from like Darkness on the Edge of Town, all those early records. It'd be worth checking out. Whose yeah. song is that? Is that a Patti Smith song that he covered? He yeah, wrote it's a car- it. Well, he. All right, go ahead. I'm jumping all over you, man. Go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, no I, I'm like, yeah, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, cover. Uh, I mean, I probably don't know any more about it than you. From what I understand, he wrote it. Um, and uh, was it Jimmy? Was it Jimmy Iovine? I, oh no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Kind of delivered it to her. Yeah. And then he was—I believe he was kind of bummed about it, Bruce. And then heard her version of it and was like, "Fuck, that's that's the fucking version." That was just in that Dr. Dre doc. It was actually. That's familiar to me. It was. Yes, I remember that. It was. Uh, so yeah, great. I mean, great song, right? Fantastic. So you're on board on that. One. I'm a thousand. Have you? On it's literally playing in my head right now. <laughs> it's catchy. It is super catchy, and and it sounds like a Springsteen song. Yeah. Like even though Patti Smith recorded right. it, like even with her singing it, it sounds like Bruce. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's heavy from it's the like second it starts. It's like riffs in it. Yeah. Because the night. Oh, yeah. oh. Something in the night, number five. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that was your. Pick. Yeah, 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 totally. Man. Yeah, it's like that. That's on the river, and it's like that. All the all the depressing somber tracks on that on that record are the ones I really like. Well, getting ahead here, it, there's not going to be a lot of these songs that are uplifting. No, Bruce songs. He does have a lot of material where it's uplifting. You know, like Cadillac right. Ranch or whatever. Yeah, that's that not one. my like, favorite. That's, stuff, that's not the stuff I go to. I go to like the, the intense, like emotional shit that he's got. Actually, I would go out on a limb and say that this is the best Springsteen record right here. These 19 songs. I'm going to say that. You're looking if, at a double album right there. Well, we left a lot of the, uh, I think intentionally we left a lot of the uplifting stuff off. I just, you know, for me, I just put down the ones I liked, you know, and those yeah. are the ones I liked. And then, you know, you can take that however you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number six, Racing in the Street. You know that one, Randy? No. Uh, Bernie, I'm no. looking at looking no. at Bernie and saying Randy because <laughs> no. both of you guys are sitting directly in front of me. We are sitting very close. Happens all, and you guys are like no. real close. Together, so. <laughs> yeah, racing the street. I don't know so. that song, but it's so funny. Randy reads the song title, and you guys both silently start nodding, like. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, we both came up with the list. Awesome, yeah, bro. It was fucking great, man. Yeah, we made a good list here. Now that lyrically, racing in the street is probably where you grew up to. Yeah, where I grew up, oh, yeah. that was a big thing. Yep. Like street racing, street racing, like hot rods. Yep. Uh, come off to learn a trade, and it was always like dudes, you know, these kind of dudes with like the pocket tee. You know? I know a perfect example. Yeah, remember the, Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, who was the the, the cool Todd? Todd, yeah, it's guys named Todd. Todd's, man. Todd's, like yeah. that. Were like you know they they instead of you know they found something for them that they liked that they were good at, which was like they probably were interested in automotive repair or whatever. So they learned about being right. mechanics. Right, yeah, yeah. and this and this is the guy in that fucking song, man. Like the yes. dude who's like doesn't give a fuck about school and just right. likes working on cars, and you know. And the lyrics in that song is so descriptive, man. You know, yes. I mean, you can picture exactly what's going on while you're listening to that song. Yep, you can. Yeah, it's like so heavy and intense emotionally. Uh, I totally agree. And although I didn't really uh, associate with those the Todds. Neither did I, obviously. Dude. I was I'm still around. around it so much yeah. that it, it struck under the lyrics of that song strike a nerve with me. Yeah. I mean, even though you and I were, were probably talking about these these sort of archetypical characters that exist in like the you know the kind of environment that we grew up in, 
I in no way was like friends with anyone me like this no, either. Me right? That's, that's like, what makes it kind of weird. Yeah, that both of us are such fans of these songs and got into them for the similar reasons. Yeah, I mean, I never hung out with any of these guys really. What, what about this? Like David Lynch, parallel universe. There's a bunch of Todds out there right now doing a podcast. Be like, man, I didn't know those metal dudes or those <laughs> punk dudes, but they're making a black metal playlist right now. That's and they're good. like the first Emperor album, dude. Classic. Yeah, maybe. They're you like, know. I, I knew this guy Mike growing up. I like to talk to him. I'd like to have more talk. faith in the human race, <laughs> yeah. but I just can't believe that that's happening. Anymore. But I mean, you know, honestly, yeah. though, it's like, cool if it did. That'd yeah, cool. there there might be like, um, you know, a reciprocal kind of vibe with some of those people. You know, maybe the more intelligent ones are probably like, you know, more self aware of certain things, and they're just like, oh yeah. When I was in high school, there were these guys who were into this weird music, and like, yeah, right? I, and I can sort of look back fondly on that because there is tons of shit. Aside from, I mean, not let's let's change gears for a second here. <laughs> it's like I was never the biggest Lifetime fan, right? But when I was in the '90s on tour with all the different you know bands I played, and we'd stayed at people's houses, and there was always like some girl that lived in this house with all these people that didn't go to the show. But the next morning we play in Lifetime when she's making breakfast or whatever, or getting ready to go to, you know, her fucking philosophy class or whatever in the morning. So I didn't, I didn't, I never really liked Lifetime. But as the years went by, I would look back and hear those songs, and be nostalgic for that moment, those moments. Sure. You know what I'm trying to say. So it's like that's a lot of what music is. Yeah, yeah. And then and now I actually do kind of like Lifetime. I appreciate. It. I listen to Lifetime regularly. So. Yeah. But I, like I know it's kind of stuck in a period of time. It is. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Remember what I was, you know, would wear back then, what kind of car I was driving. Totally. Even? Like, I was just thinking about Jasta 14 the other day. Oh, and geez. I remember this blue Honda I had. <laughs> and the only member I have, memory I have, is listening to Jasta 14 in this car. I don't remember, like, how I bought it, we did. who I sold it to. You guys probably played with it, I imagine. We right. did. Oh yeah, we yeah, toured cable. in that car, didn't we? The, yeah, the blue, the blue. Oh yeah, yeah. That's your. I went memory? to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you guys, you guys, uh, <laughs> you guys probably played with Jostin. We played, we played with them a bunch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cable played a lot of shows. Well, I don't know, ten shows or whatever back back then. Uh, but you know, before I uh, forget, you going not really going off topic with Lifetime and Bruce Springsteen because those guys are a New Jersey, Jersey band. Guys. Yep, and they have a song title called. Somewhere in the swamps of Jersey, which is a which line from a Springsteen song. Yeah. And I believe uh, at least a few of those guys are pretty big Springsteen fans. Most people I know from New Jersey at least have, like, an appreciation. Well, and I would, Bruce, I have to mention uh, my, my good friend Mike McAuliffe, uh, who's a Jersey guy. And I talk to regularly. Uh, he helps out with a lot of our band camp stuff and stuff like that for Cable and Slow Death. He is a Jersey guy through and through, and he's like us. Yeah, he's into like punk and metal and has been for years. But he's a Springsteen guy. Yeah, and he Makes probably sense. knows ten times what me and you know. Oh yeah, you know he and he's actually you know throwing some stuff at me because he knew I was doing this. Remember that thing I sent you? Yeah, the Mike Hill the River. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's who made. That. That's awesome, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's killer. Yes, that's yes. great. He knew I was doing this with you, so he sent me that. Well, we're all going to be able to use it now. So yes, that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So he, I, I have to at least shout him out. Fuck yeah. Because he's a good friend and a Jersey guy and a big time Springsteen fan. You know, Toombs is based out of New Jersey now. I don't know if you knew that. Nah. I'm the guy who doesn't live in Jersey. It's yeah. like all the guys in the the band is, uh, we practice in Keensburg, New Jersey, and like the fucking, the members are all Jersey, Jersey dudes now. 
Tombs is from Parts Unknown. From like, that's what your Wikipedia page should say. Because, <laughs> because, parts Unknown. Well, yeah, because if you go down the track record, man, there's like Massachusetts. No, nah, well, there was never any tombs in Massachusetts. Yeah, right? yeah. Cool. Yes, there was. Didn't you have a guitar player that lived in Northampton? Oh yeah, for a while? yeah, yeah. But he wasn't really. He's 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 like that was like a temporary thing, really, for him to be living there. Philly, Philly. Yep. Yeah. New okay. York. New York. New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. So. Basically, all. So saying parts. It's unknown. all in the Northeast, though, man. It's not like some. You know, we got some guy from Switzerland. I'm not, who fucking I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right, you know, whatever. It's cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know. Uh. Do you guys don't do any Springsteen covers? I would love to, man. I would love to, too. I would love to. I can never convince anybody in any band I'm in to buy it, though. This is probably the closest, uh, as far as members that would agree to do something like that, as I have ever been in any band. That's because they're from Jersey? Yeah, like they, and everyone, like I said, man, even people in the punk and metal and hardcore scene, if you live, if you grew up in Jersey, you will have at least, like, an appreciation for Bruce Springsteen. You might not be a big fan, but you'll, like... You know, like tonight, you know, River Black. Right. They're all Jersey guys. They are. And they all kind of like Bruce Springsteen. Do they? Yeah. Totally. That's cool. I, so we initially came up with this idea to do this. I figured we'd probably bum a lot more people out. I than, mean. Then that would be like into it. That I, are, we will probably, you know, but like, maybe, you know, some people might not think we're as cool as they thought we were or whatever, you know. Or that, that's not a problem. That's, <laughs> that's not a problem. Like, it's uh, it's fun though, and I think it's interesting. So fuck it, you know. I don't yeah, care. All right, well I'll keep rolling. I'll keep here. rolling through keep this rolling. list, man. Uh, number seven is New York Serenade. That's that's your. Opinion. That's a deep cut, man. That is a deep cut. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's so I had to kind of go back and dig a little to revisit that when you had it on your list. The Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. Yes. Yeah. That's actually a pretty complex record too, as far as like arrangements go and songwriting. I think those first two records are kind of di- pretty different than like darkness and yeah born to run i i think that that is probably the biggest bob dylan in totally. material and that's what i told him because he he mentioned like bob dylan uh, yeah when i brought up the springs and i'm not a dylan fan uh, i'm really not either i mean there's a couple songs that i've heard that i've liked through the years i've seen them once it was pretty subpar but uh, i'm not either um i think i went to that with you right the theater where you're sitting down? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I know I've seen Bob Dylan. There was a time in my life where I did listen to a lot of Bob Dylan, not always of my choosing. Did PJ Harvey play that show? No, that would have been rad. That would have been killer. Bro. <laughs> yeah, that'd be just, great. Cool. No. I just invented a nice memory. No, you know who it was? It was Natalie Merchant. Yes. But that's kind of sucks that you just compared Natalie Merchant <laughs> no, to PJ Harvey. No, no, no. I, yeah, I got you. You're right. That's sexist, man. <laughs> just because like, they're, they're two women singers. That's exactly how I meant it. Yeah. Wait, so. Natalie Merchant originally was in uh, 10,000 10, Maniacs. Maniacs. Right, right. Yeah. I don't really like them either. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a deep cut, New York Serenade. I, I had to do some digging to yeah. revisit that song. Heard that one in a while. It's like, when you, th- that that's like a, a 70s fucking song. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Man. You know, there's like, it just sounds like a fucking track from the 70s it's almost got like maybe some steely dan yeah kind of yeah definitely man there's like the backup vocals you know yeah. where it's it has a vibe of like you know like like when i listen to that song i feel like there's like a studio filled with like a lot of different people there right you know and there's right. like backup singers and fucking the arrangement on a lot most of his stuff rock stuff is yeah. pretty pretty insane do you ever um? Hmm, I think it's over there actually. There's like uh, that documentary, The Promise. 
Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was awesome. It's great, right? And it just shows you how much he toils over things in the studio and, like... Like, he had, like, multiple sets of lyrics for all these songs. Yes. Which is, like... I mean, you you write songs. All three of us write lyrics. It's, like... I'm ba- I can barely get enough words together for one song. Oh, same here, <laughs> you man. know, and it's like same here. I'm usually finishing shit up as I'm cutting vocals. I'm usually like after the record comes out, like cringing at the things I I wrote. And, like, same here. Wish yeah. that I had spent yeah. more. time. I'll be cringing <laughs> tonight. Why I'm seeing <laughs> But yeah, uh, so that was a deep cut. Uh, Downbound train. Do you, are you familiar with that one? I know that song. Yes. Yes. That's a uh, definitely. That's a good one. Did you? Uh, that's like a yeah. It's something I've heard on the radio a lot. Yeah, really. I don't feel like. Oh, definitely. That yeah. was that popular of a song off Born in the USA, was it? Um, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the song, so it's hard for me to describe. I, it, it's not one of the hits, though. No, you know what I mean, no. It's, it's not. definitely not a hit, but it's like I, I think it's got. I remember hearing it on the radio, though. I actually think that song, as much as I like the song, the music, everything, the lyrics to that song are awesome. Yeah, right? totally, totally down, depressing. Shit's not working out. Shit's not gonna work out. It's one of the. It's one of the, um, the less cathartic songs that Bruce has penned. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's a good one. Uh, number nine is the factory. I totally, kind of touched on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we already touched on that one, but that, I like that one a lot. Number 10, Nebraska. That's a record that we've discussed recently because that right. might be the next record on your on your it listening is. assignment in Nebraska. <laughs> is this record about Nebraska? Um, all right. It's not, no. It's no. not about Nebraska, but the song Nebraska is about the serial killer sort of. Um, what the hell's his name? Uh, the Clown? No, I no, John Wayne Gacy. No, yeah. it's not about Ed John. Gein? Nope, it's not about it. I actually don't know this. Starkweather, Charles Starkweather. Oh, maybe? Charles Starkweather. Yeah. yeah. Let me. Let I'm sure, me it's just... not about the band Starkweather. That would be funny. <laughs> they probably didn't exist when this record came out, though. That's a good point. I think so. Because no, uh, the album is not ten songs about Nebraska, but it's acoustic, right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole record's just. Bruce well, there's the, the song Atlantic City, which is on that record too, which is like super depressing as well. Great song. Yeah, there's the a, whole record's kind of down. Yeah, there's a. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Hank Williams the Third? Yeah, of course. He does a. He did a cover of Atlantic City, a little more ramped up with like a full like old school country style band. That was really really great. Great version. Actually, all right, here we go. This. Um, it's a sparsely recorded on a four-track cassette deck. All right. So it was like he recorded that shit totally DIY. It sounds like it. Yeah. But that's what makes it awesome. Uh-huh. But this is in like the heart of his career where he had money and could have oh, yeah, for is. a real studio and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yo, totally. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. The songs deal with ordinary down-in-their-luck blue-collar characters hmm. who face a challenge or a turning point in their lives. This is all according to Wikipedia. Uh, outsiders, the main character since electric chair, blah, blah, blah. I want for some reason I thought it was like about Starkweather. That particular song? Yeah. Or maybe that's just me like superimposing. Maybe you're trying to make it more awesome than it already is. Yeah. But it is a song, about, like there's that song, there's a song on there about a dude who like goes on a killing spree or some shit like that. Uh, is it a uh, state trooper? Is it the song yeah. about... Possibly, the song. One of the songs I like on that record is "Open All Night," which is like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, 
That's kind of like a, a little more upbeat, but it's like... That's about know, the most upbeat. It's the most upbeat. On that record. But it's about one of my other favorite things to do is go to a diner at like 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Not you. I fucking love that shit, dude. <laughs> love doing that, man. Um, yeah, that's a pretty different record than all those other songs we've been talking about. It's If, if you're not into like, I don't know, like Towns of Anzant or like... Strict. Scott Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, right? man. Scott yeah. Kelly's like uh, solo records are yeah. this kind of vibe to him. Definitely. Yeah. Very stripped down, stark, dark. You should yeah. make a record like this. I can't really Why? sing, though. So what? You should do it anyway, man. Randy and I have a full acoustic record in the tank, in the can, ready to release. You do? The Wild Spirit Band. Yeah, I wouldn't say, oh, it's, yeah. I wouldn't say it's in the can. We it's been in the can for 22 years. We record, yeah, <laughs> we recorded done. a four track. Oh, when dude. was that actually? Uh, uh, two two thousand one. Yeah, I don't know. No, sure, it's late nineties. Two thousand one. So we were playing in Rockville. Yeah, we, we had. Do, a pro- we literally have like a five song acoustic record. It's a, I have the cassette like that was done on a four track. I mean, it's definitely not something I would want to release. Yeah, it's like Tascam four track. Practice. Yeah. Do you have like the the? Can you isolate the tracks though and like mix them, or just do you think the performances like on the, there suck or something like that? Well, they do. They we have like suck. the, you know the the what do you the master like they've already been dumped. Oh, okay, but like what you're saying, Michael, we might put this record out. You should I'm dig this thing out. <laughs> Fuck it, man. Right, it's fun. You're not the first person to tell me to do that, but I don't. I don't know. Oh, dude, just anything. So. You uh, probably are just feeling that. In reality, it's probably fine. Well, I feel like there's a difference from when I, like, you know, any band I've ever sang for, I basically scream. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel a comfort level with that. That, like, when you're, and when you think of singing in a band like Cable or Slow Death or Tombs or whatever, Anodyne, it's like, there's so much going on to hide behind. Yeah, true. Even though you're screaming... There's still so much to hide behind. When you when you sit down in front of a microphone like this with an acoustic guitar, man, that's I don't know if I have that in me. Do you have you listened to it recently? This material that we, we were talking about? Yeah. When uh, was the last time you listened to it? Actually it wasn't that long ago. It's probably after under, an empty flowers practice. Yeah, it's under we? a two years ago. Something like and that. And you recently. still had the same feelings about it? Like you were like, ah. Or you were... I probably liked it less. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. <laughs> but like, my, my, my thing is you should just... I like just having even stuff that's uncomfortable to listen to. Just to have it available for people to check out is cool, I think. We had fun doing it, though. For sure. We didn't do it's it for different. long. We only did it, like, what, four times? Right? Yeah, just enough to write the songs and yeah. record them, basically. Um, yeah. I don't know. That probably won't see the light of day. Okay. But... Fair enough. <laughs> uh... Number 11 is Rendezvous Live. I'm not that familiar with this song, believe it or not. You're not that familiar with it? No, like I, I really, when you put this, that's one of your tracks. I, had to, I, did, I hadn't heard it before that. It's kind of another deep cut. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know how to describe that one. I wouldn't say it's like super upbeat, right? No, no, definitely no. not. Yeah, no, but, it's kind of a little more down. I think that's actually, all, I can't remember, but I think that's off of one of those box set i think you're right because Type uh, things and that so this is gonna happen because i compiled this like a month ago that's fine and yeah. then have not had it on my mind really okay so i, I can't really remember where i found that well I it's on it, on the spotify playlist yeah. it'll yeah. it'll show up so uh um 
12 is Lost in the Flood. Yeah. That's a powerful song. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Oh, look at these ads they have on Spotify. <laughs> Everybody happy. Blink Fitness. Now, will it say on there where the song so. is from? Yeah, let me see. Rendezvous. Okay. Rendezvous. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's on some live album. Yes. No, you know what that is? That was from oh, yeah. one about, of the box sets. Yeah, that box set. But there was a CD called like, eight, is that called like 18 Tracks or something? Is that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah, that was like a CD that wasn't in the box set. It was a bonus CD of material that wasn't in the box set. And it was that's definitely a deep cut then, man. Yes. Something like totally. A bonus material. Um, B-side kind yeah. of thing. That's tried, cool. Yeah. Tried to throw at least one of those yeah. in there, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's a good song, but Lost in the Flood's a better song. <laughs> that's a... No that's judgments a, here, man. That's a great one. And uh, yeah. there are some killer live versions. I was just away up in Vermont and I was listening to some Bruce stuff and... Live version of Lost in the Flood. I think it's from that Hammersmith, the same one that uh, Thunder Road is from. I think okay. it's from that album. There's a live version of Lost in the Flood that's awesome. Cool. Uh, great one. I love the idea of you driving around Vermont listening to the Bruce. I wasn't driving around. <laughs> on a summer. I, I was sitting on a porch by a lake. Of course. Classic. Yeah. You would have loved it. <laughs> Are you familiar with Lost in the Flood? No, absolutely no, not. It's a good one. Oh, well, this one you will be. Oh, yeah. I've already got the song in my head. Number 13, Hungry Heart. It's got all oh, the yeah. chimes in it, right? Yep. What is that? Is it like, uh, what's chimes, his name? Man. Thor from the Swan? <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't worry about the chimes. Like you said, a lot of instrumentation. Yeah, man. There's a dense wall of sound production yeah. on most of these songs. Oh, yeah. You know? That song, his voice sounds different on that, too, for some reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It's almost like a... Mm-hmm. Little, mm-hmm. little cleaner and smart. Dare I say that that almost has a, a slight Billy Joel feel to it. More like Eddie Money, maybe. All right. <laughs> no, fuck yeah, it. Does have fuck it. He's cooler than Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. Eddie Money. I'll Eddie take Money, that. yeah. Yeah, but it has, does have a different, even though it's a, similar to some other upbeat Springsteen songs, there's something different about that song. It's about a dude who just runs out on his family. <laughs> it's once like, a, yeah. Once again, uplifting. Yeah, well, I was talking musically. Yeah, yeah musically it's got an up, upbeat tempo and vibe to it, but the, the guy is about some dude who just like left and kept going, right. man. He just left town, bailed on his wife and kids. <laughs> that is uh, also off Born in the USA. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Yes. It's one of the oh, no, kids. wait, wait. That's on the river. Wait, Hungry Heart? I believe it's on the river. Let me just, uh, Hungry Heart. Yeah, yeah, oh, fuck. yeah. Dude, yeah. Apparently, I didn't have enough coffee. Hey, man, there's always more of that here. <laughs> uh, all right, 14, Brothers Under the Bridge. I don't know that song. Well, I didn't until you put it on the list. Yeah, man. that's another, like, down. Yeah. That's kind of like in, in dig it. stolen car territory. Yep. But I'm, I'm glad you put that on there because I, I, I wasn't familiar with it before. You, that's one of your contributions. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. That was one, I think, when we had some doubles. I'm like, we each picked a couple different songs. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I'll go for that one. Um, I don't really know what to say about it other than it's a great song. Yeah. Kind of a, it's not a hit, 
you know, so maybe people will hear it and kind of be like, oh, I, it's, I didn't know it. I mean, you know, and I'm a fan. So, right. yeah. Um, well, that's how expansive his catalog is. Even of like, yeah. Well, just real quick. It's like when we, earlier we both, you said the first seven records are yeah. where it's at. Now, just for a minute, think about that. Right. This motherfucker <laughs> yes. put out seven solid as a rock LPs. That yes. we can say, oh yeah, it's first seven albums. Well, one's a double out. Yeah. So it's really kind of eight records. Nowadays, it's like people put out like one record that's killer and that's it. You right. know, or, or maybe like, you know, a couple records. Plus. You no, know, who puts out seven albums th- these yeah. days? Is this the Caramel Corpse, maybe, you know? Like, yeah, and then. You know, like death metal bands. Forever. Right. You know? Uh, seven albums, one of them's a double album. But then look at all these box sets and special editions that have unearthing. Yeah. multiple songs which could be albums on their own totally which I haven't heard all that stuff yet but I guarantee you most of it is better than probably most shit he's, put, he's putting out or has put out in a while and then he has he does have a, a, a whole like catalog of shit that he put out since then that I only know little bits and pieces same here of. I can't say I don't like any of it because I have heard so it's good yeah a song here or there that I do yeah. like um my friend Mike from New Jersey has turned like, hey, listen to this particular song. Yeah. This couple songs. And yeah, it's always good, you know. I've just heard some stuff I don't. And when when musicians get overtly political, uh, I don't I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just a turn off. No, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Even like, guy, even pool. I don't really like political punk rock or whatever. Like, like, I like some bands that yeah. are considered that, but I, I don't like them because of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we were actually when I got in the car with Randy today, we, we were talked just about talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was listening to, uh, and I, I love Ted Leo. Like I'm a big, yeah, big fan sure. of, of him for years. But uh, I thought it was weird he was on this podcast, like talking. Like, what the hell does Ted Leo have to say? So I was listening to it, and he has like a new solo album out or whatever, which is already a bit of a red flag. Like he's at his best when he's got a full, yeah, good band chisel. And, you know, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and and I, he they start this interview. Off and he's talking about how disappointed he is in Gary Johnson's running mate in the last election, and he wrote two songs about whoever that guy is. Now he could have done more for America, and yeah. it's kind of tuned out, man. It's uh, it's not yeah. what I want to hear. And good for him, you know. But uh, yeah, see, I find it a little boring. It, it, was, I mean? it was a little. Well, that's one of the things <laughs> to bring it back to Bruce. <laughs> he is kind of gone that way. Yeah, in a lot of ways, not yeah, yeah. not like totally, but I, I mean, obviously, you know, he's picked a side, sure, and, and like has taken a stand in a lot of songs and stuff too. Which you know, I'm fine with it. But at the same time, I I rather hear songs about some dude wrenching on his car. Sure, yeah, you know, I agree with that. I'm not going to most musicians for my politics. No, no, because. Yeah, do the buzz. Up. Yeah, the, yeah I, you know, Buzz Osborne, man, he gets Melvins. He gets asked that question all like political shit all the time. And he usually interviews I've seen is right away. It's like the, the same stamped out answer. Like you know, we don't do politics, and he's like, if I were you, I'd go to people smarter than musicians yeah. for my politics. Totally, you know. So, I just don't really like it in my music a whole lot. Um, number fifteen, Backstreets. Yeah, that's that, one of that's the, like a, you know, classic like <laughs> Yeah, you know that you know no, Backstreet you guys are doing it, that silent yeah, nod again yeah. like yeah, that's, 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 that's a heavy a one. It's a heavy one. That's a heavy you know, heavy dark teenage love, man, you know, it's the same fucking you know, treachery and all that dramatic shit you go through when you're a kid. Yeah. 
we keep you know referring to a lot of these songs as heavy, which you know some people listening to this might think of. No, no, it's not that way. Yeah, it's not <laughs> heavy like, in a like, different way. Like but street uh, cleaner, you know, right? It's yeah, not heavy like that. You know? No, it's not heavy like that. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, to me, these songs are a lot heavier when I listen to them than a lot of shit people consider to be heavy. Yeah, you know, the effect it has. Uh, yeah, it's it's all you can say about Backstreets, man. It's dark. It's heavy. It's dark and heavy. Yeah, it's awesome. You know that one? No. No. But a lot of these songs, I guarantee you, like, all these ones I don't know, uh-huh. you'd put them on, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I heard You might have heard song, them. Most you know? of them, yeah. In the background somewhere. Yeah. 16 is Highway Patrolman. That's the song off of Nebraska. Yeah. That I was talking about. Uh, he's the cop, and he had his brother's no good. Yeah. There's Frankie, a, I there's believe. There's a fucking movie, man, that I, oh, man, it's like I can see the characters in the film. But there's a movie where I feel like it's got that, oh man, I don't even remember the name of the character, the actor, some redheaded dude who always plays like a state troopers in it. I don't know. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I feel like there's a very cinematic quality to that song. The, the album. Yeah, the whole, the whole album. The too, album yeah. almost feels like a movie. Actually, the cover looks like a movie. Yeah, it does. Not that movie Nebraska that came out. No, 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 no. Not like that thing. But it does. It looks like, almost looks like a movie poster. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite track off of Nebraska. That's a great one, dark one. Uh, then seventeen is the song "The River," which down, very downbeat. You know, <laughs> once again, again you once see again, a trend, a trend here developing. <laughs> once again, uh, you know, uh, I would actually say maybe if you want to make a second attempt, I would try to dig into the river before Nebraska. before Nebraska because Nebraska is a kind of a different trip. Man. Yeah. It's not really indicative of like maybe that's like a third. That's a third, yeah, yeah. To wade into the third, yeah, record. The river's a double album though. Double record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to the playlist. You drive to work every day, right? The playlist yeah, would do. be a really good overview. Actually, that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There playlist. you go. Scratch that. And that that kind of yeah. like re- takes like a reduction of the river. Like it takes like the essentials of yes. that and it incorporates them on the playlist. So yeah. If you wake up in the morning and you're, you're in a good mood, don't listen to this playlist because you won't be yeah. in a good mood when you're done. It's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, 18, Darkness on the Edge of Town. There it is. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the song. That's the <laughs> that's, record that Randy, um, you know, good. gave you the heads up on that one. And, right. Yep. Yeah. I figured if someone is a, kind of a, a novice or making a return a to... to <laughs> As far as Bruce goes, Bruce to, novice to like checking it out, like that's a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Besides Adam raised the cane. Yeah, that's not, that, that's yeah. not good. I, I'm not even it, big on that one really myself. No. I don't hate it. It feels like they needed another song for the record. Sure, you know. Well, the, I, they had like 40 other ones. Yeah, well, you wonder, you know. They're probably just tired, you know. It's like, <laughs> the, the end, end of the night, you know. End of a 62 day session. Yeah. Like, you know what? I think I like that one. Clarence that takes good. Like, good Clarence has to go home. He's like, Bruce, it's enough. Yeah, that's a that's a go-to song for me, though, Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's uh, It's a go-to album, but that song in particular is a go-to for me. I love that one. I don't know necessarily what it is, just overall, everything about it I love. It's fucking great. It's a great one. And uh, the last one to round it out is I'm on Fire, which... 
is another one of my go-tos. It doesn't really even make sense why it was on Born in the USA. It's such a weird. It's like a. It's like a Minutemen song. It reminds me actually <laughs> of the band Suicide. Okay. To sure. Me, yeah. When yeah, I listen yeah. to that, like if you like slow down Suicide because usually there's songs like right, right. If you slowed it down a few BPM, it has almost that vibe. You're right. It does. You know this like very repetitive kind of thing going on rhythmically. Yes. It, it it's not like a fucking like big rock. It's very like quiet, you know, subtle kind of thing. You like, know, creepy dark lyrics. The lyrics are great, man. It's very once again, you know, for all you people out there who have, uh, you know, had some sort of about that experience is like so completely dead on. Yes, and the the way he trails off with the vocal at the uh, end, it's like great. it's like a very haunting, it's very haunting, you know, very yes. haunting it's ending, amazing. and a way a way to exit the playlist. I think. Me too. It's a great song to end with, and uh, in the context of that album, it's just so weird that it's on the album. It's like placed sort of in the middle of the album. Yeah. It's like all these gigantic Big hits, bombastic songs. Yeah, 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 with like you know huge fucking arrangements, uh-huh. and then there's just like minimal. Weird two and a, it's like two and a half minutes long. Yeah, something. real short for short. that record. Yeah, it's just weird that it's even on that record, but it's fucking great. And uh, I don't know if you've ever got into that band Low. Yeah, yeah, they cover, not not super heavy into them, but yeah, I know I'm familiar with them. They yeah, cover sure. "I'm on Fire." Oh wow! And yeah. uh, with that, you know, has the the male female harmony vocal going on, and it's amazing. It's great. The whole vibe of it is very truly original, cool. but. But it adds their own twist to it. Yeah, it's like the female vocal harmony. It's like it's it's a really great cover of it. I mean, I don't think we've mentioned anybody covering any of these songs, but uh, well, we mentioned a, Lifetime. Oh, no, oh, no, it's not they a cover. cover. They it's just a song title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is a cover worth checking out if you're into I'm on Fire or Springsteen or Low, actually. So that wraps up that playlist. Cool of. Uh, Probably seventeen or eighteen, depressing, <laughs> dark, yeah. downtrodden, uh, Bruce Springsteen songs. And uh, yeah, this is gonna probably. Uh, I gotta figure out a way to like. I think you can do that shit right with Spotify. You can share it on like Facebook and all that sort of stuff. I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's got make it. a public playlist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So, I think that, so. that's. Uh, I figured that was probably the best way because like a lot of times if you. You try to make like a playlist with any some of these other packages, like these, you know, little platforms. They they don't allow you to put certain songs on there for like copyright and all this other shit. Uh, That's happened yeah, to me yeah. before. Where like I forgot some other like SoundCloud or something does that. But um, but yeah, so that it'll be on a legit Spotify playlist. And anyone out there who is left listening to this by now <laughs> who wants to fucking check it out, it'll be up there on the on the Everything with Black Facebook and probably. I'll figure out a way if I can do it on the website too. So, have either of you guys seen Bruce play? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw him on the Born in the USA tour. Wow, so way back. Yeah. yeah. Could you afford to go to a concert nowadays? I mean, we're uh, probably what two hundred bucks. To oh, get I don't in? know. I don't. No, I, don't I haven't really looked into it. Depends where you sit, man. This yeah. you can get cheap seats. You for, get a fifty dollars seat if you wanted. Yeah, probably. Maybe. I mean, plays places that are like stadiums. So if you yeah. want to sit way up, I uh, I actually have not. I'm embarrassed to say I have not. It's always never been. A good time or plays for yeah. a long time, man. You're talking what a three hour commitment there? Probably, yeah, probably. close yeah. to it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot. It's got a lot to say, man. Yeah, yeah. Good. I, mean, I can't remember a half hour of music. 
to remember three hours, that's uh, he's been doing it his whole life. He's a pro. Yeah. Well, you know, when we came up with this idea originally, I was like, it's kind of fun that we'd probably be bumming out some metal dudes by yeah. doing this. Sure. But, you know, I don't know. I think some people, maybe if they can listen to this with an open mind, you know. Yeah, man. You know, we're after they listen to Candle Mass, they could maybe. <laughs> Candle Mass. You know, they could maybe switch over and, and check out this, you know. Well, we should probably get the fuck over, out of here. And yes. Go to the venue, and load in, do all that jazz. Yeah. So, thanks for listening and thank you guys for coming down. And um, we'll see you guys soon. Take care. In Candy's room, there are pictures of heroes on the wall. To get to Candy's room, had to walk the darkness at Candy's hall. Strangers from the city call my baby's number and they bring her toys. When I come knocking, she smiles pretty. She knows I might be Candy's boy. There's a sadness hidden in that pretty face A sadness all her own From which no man can keep candy safe We kissed and my heart was just in my brain And the blood rushes in my veins The fire rushes through the sky And go driving Driving deep into the night I go driving